I'll be reading from Hebrews 11, 17 through 31. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing himself him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Amen. Let's, uh, let's give God a hand and let's say thank you to Natalie for reading the scriptures for us this morning. Thank you, Natalie. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here. If you're new, welcome. Uh, we are getting ready to dig into this text. This is going to be really an awesome um, text of scripture. I think God has a lot for us. It's a very significant morning. Uh, this morning, I bought my first bag of popcorn. That happened this morning. Yeah, my daughters have been asking me for like a month. Dad, what are we going to get popcorn? I'm like, oh, pastor's budget. Take, it takes time. So uh, we got our first bag of popcorns. That's a big milestone. So you're here on a very important morning. So, uh, no, just kidding. Uh, let's, let's pray. It's a great passage of scripture that Natalie read. Um, a lot of great truth in it. Let's ask God to illuminate our eyes, to see and to feel and to, and to know the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come and stand before your people at Living Waters and share your word. You're so good. And Lord, you want to reveal yourself to every human mind and every human heart. And God, we rejoice in that desire. So Lord, we're asking that you would do your great work in your people for your glory. God, that, that's a work that, humanly speaking, is impossible. We cannot do the work of sanctification. We cannot do the work of salvation. God, it has to be your work. So God, we pray and we plead and we trust by faith that you're going to do some great things. And we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. So can 2020 get any more weird? Can it? Can it? Oh, it can. Yeah, I guess there are still some months left. But... Uh, if 2020 can't get any more weird uh, or abnormal or surprising, we took another step toward that this last week um, when Kanye properly defined expository preaching. So we have a picture here. There's a video that you can check out. 
Kanye was on a show, and I, first of all, praise God for his conversion. Amen? We praise God for, for Kanye's conversion to Christ. He's, in, he's being interviewed, and the last thing you ever thought you'd hear, hear in your life is Kanye West defining expository preaching for us accurately. But he said, you know, expository preaching is taking God's people verse by verse through the scriptures and giving them the plain meaning of what it means. And I think that's a pretty good definition. Good job, Kanye. He also said, in my background of the entertainment industry, he's like, all we get is sauce. And he's like, and I don't need no sauce. I need meat. Praise God, right? That's good. So this morning, I'm here to tell you, no fancy introduction. You don't need no sauce, church. You need meat. And by God's grace, we're going to give it to you. I'm just going to give you God's truth this morning and let God be God in your life. And so walking by faith is a big deal. It's the theme of Hebrews 11. And you got to know what's involved if you're going to walk by faith. If you're going to be a Christian this morning that is going to say, yeah, I'm going to walk by faith. I think I can do that. You need to know what is involved. And I think that's kind of the main idea of the passage this morning is, is if you're going to walk by faith, you need to know all of what that means. And so the great heroes of the faith, these are incredible examples for us. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and the nation of Israel. These are amazing examples for us. But all of these individuals were put to the test. Okay, look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. So the testing of these men and these individuals and this nation is the reality of every child of God. If you're going to embrace Christianity, um, you have got to be ready to be tested. So if you're looking for a test-free, tension-free life, which, which a lot of us in our flesh, we want, we don't want the test, don't look to Christianity. Okay, Don't sign up for Christianity if you're looking for a test-free life. If you believe in Jesus, you know what's coming your way? Tests, tribulations, trials, and difficulties. And you know what? That's just part of what it means to walk with Jesus, is you've got to be willing to endure the testings when they come and I think if you read the New Testament, it's very clear from James chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. These are all passages of Scripture that tell us we are going to have trials in this life if we are believers in Jesus. So, if you are here to walk by faith, these are great examples for us, but we also need to understand you need to know what's involved. Okay? I don't want to be a charlatan preacher that tells you, believe in Jesus, you get forgiveness of sins and, and all these blessings and no trials. That's not Christianity. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to hear, that if you believe in Jesus Christ, get ready. You need to know what is involved as you walk by faith. Sound good? Amen? Okay, let's, let's dive in. Walking by faith involves family. Walking by faith involves family. It also involves fearless decisions. Okay? Fearless decisions. And walking by faith also involves fantastic miracles. you got to have all those things if you're going to walk by faith. And these, these individuals, these examples, this text is going to point us that direction. Number one, faith involves family. So you see Abraham in verse 17. 
He's offering up Isaac by faith, his son. And then and, and his, as he does that, you jump down to verse 20. Isaac invokes future blessings upon Jacob and Esau in the next generation. So Abraham doesn't kill Isaac. Spoiler alert, doesn't kill him. Okay? He, he almost does, but God provides in the, in the last moment. And then Isaac lives on and he blesses Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob is in verse 21. He's blessing the sons of Joseph at the end of his life. And then at the end of verse 22, Joseph is giving directions concerning his bones. So he's, he's telling people, when I die and when you go to the promised land, here's what you do with my bones. Not the normal thing that's on your will, right? Like where are your bones going? You, hopefully you know exactly where they're going. You're not telling people to make them travel. All right, so... The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they're strong examples of walking by faith involving family. They're all involved with one another as a family. Now, if you've ever read Genesis 12 through 50, if you've ever done that in your Christian life, you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, these guys, it was not clean and shiny and rainbows and butterflies. Can I get an amen? I mean, it was messy at times. It was gross. It was sin. It was anger. It was bitterness. All this stuff coming in. But these men kept the faith. They kept believing in the promises of God given to them through Abraham. They kept holding on. And so family and faith, when they mix together, it is often um, messy and hard. I'm going to get practical with you in a little bit. Let's look at Abraham first. Abraham is in the act of, of offering Isaac in verse 17. He's offering Isaac up, um, and he was ready to offer up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham was told by God, you need to sacrifice Isaac. Okay, now Isaac is significant because Isaac was the boy that they had waited 20 plus years to have. So they had this miracle boy and God says, I want you to kill the miracle boy whom the promises of God is flowing to. I want you to kill him. So Abraham, by faith, right, surrenders all to God, believing in God's promises, and he takes the knife up to plunge it into his own son. I mean, he is walking in complete sacrificial faith surrendered faith and he is ready to kill his one and only son does that sound familiar john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life isaiah says it was the pleasure of the father to put to death his own son you can see the picture of the gospel here Abraham's ready to do it, and he's doing it by faith. He's believing that if I kill Isaac, God is going to raise him from the dead. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Um, all these guys after Abraham, so Isaac blessing his sons, that's in verse 20. And you can read about that in, in Genesis 27, that scene. And Jacob blessed Joseph's sons in verse 21, and you can read about that in Genesis 48. And Joseph gave instructions concerning his bones to, to those who would come after him in verse 22. That's in Genesis chapter 50. And let me just say at the outset of this sermon, just as it is with the patriarchs, so it is with us. When we walk by faith, our family is 
involved. Your family's involved. For good or for evil, your family is involved. Now, some of you are trying to, to run from that reality, and some of you are like, yeah, that's cool, that's okay. But listen, no matter where you're at, no matter what your mom or dad was like, or your brother or sister, or your current family right now, your walk of faith is not divorced from your family. Can I get a witness? You are involved. And your walk of faith will be impacted by the family around you. So some of you, that's, that's a blessing. Because your family is walking by faith just like you are, and they are enhancing you as you move forward by faith. For some of you, family is a burden. Can I get a witness? Right? For some of you, family's a burden because they don't bless your walk of faith. They fight against your walk of faith. You might have a spouse. You might have a, a distant relative, a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, a grandma, a grandpa, somebody in your life that's like watching you walk by faith in Jesus and they're like, yeah, we're not into that and we're going to make this hard on you. Your family is involved. This is a very involved passage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. These, are, these individuals are tied together. Your walk of faith is not divorced from your family. Now, I say that in, on two levels, physical and spiritual. For some of you, physical uh, family is, is, a, is an idol. I'm just going to call it out as it is. For some of you, you have idolized your family so much that you can't walk by faith because your family is your idol. You worship your family, not God. And if God called you to go, you can't go because your family says that's not okay. And I'm just telling you, this is a real test in your life. We have to walk by faith. No matter what uncle or aunt says, no matter what grandma and grandpa says, no matter what brother or sister says, we must walk by faith. And we are tied together. On the spiritual side, we're tied together as a church, aren't we? You know, if we walk by faith... We do it together. If we don't walk by faith, we, we hurt one another. So we should be encouraging one another as a spiritual family to walk this journey of faith together. Now, these men all died without seeing or possessing the homeland which was promised to them. Okay, Like, like Abraham never saw the land. Isaac never saw the land. Jacob never saw the land. Joseph said, take my bones to the land because I'm not going to be able to see the land. Now listen, these men died in faith. And if you're looking at it just materially, you're looking at their lives and you're like, what a disappointment. I mean, they died with no building. Church, can you imagine not having a church building? Can can y'all like track with that? Can you imagine not having a church building? How terrible. These guys died without having a church building, without a parking lot, without a temple, without without a, a, a firm grip on the dirt that they were promised by God. They died in faith, believing what? That even though they didn't have the physical, they had the spiritual. They had the promises of Almighty God. And those promises were handed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, which tells us this morning that it is the promises of God that matters, not the bricks and mortar of dirt and buildings. The promises of God that come to us is mainly salvation and spiritual blessing. 
Well, that salvation and spiritual blessing flows through the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, which goes back to Genesis chapter 3, the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel that comes where, where God says to the, the, um, to the woman, he says, your seed will crush the head of the serpent. You know what is more important than your bank account? What's more important than your house, your tax statement? your spiritual blessings in Jesus. That's more important. You know what is most important to hand off to your kids? Spiritual blessings in Jesus. A gospel legacy. A legacy of prayer. A legacy of the word of God. A legacy on standing on the promises. Parents, if you want to give anything to your kids, hold off on the car and the sports tournament again like, and just give them Jesus. Give them Christ. Give them a foundation that they can have for the rest of their lives. And I'm not against cars, and I'm not against sports. I love sports. I'm just telling you, the greater, the greater inheritance is to get your kids the Word of God. What you want at the end of your life, when you get ready to enter into eternity, is to look into the eyes of your kids and see that they have the treasure called Jesus. Now listen. Um, as we as we look at this first point, faith involving family, some of you might say, well, I don't have any kids, so I'm off, right? I don't have any kids. Some of you might be older, some of you might be younger, and you don't have children. I just want to tell you, what you don't have physically, you do have spiritually. And here's what I mean. If you don't have any kids, you're like, oh, I don't have to hand anything down from this generation to the next. Someone led you to Jesus. And when someone led you to Christ, what did they do? They poured their very selves into you. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that gave you an inheritance in Christ. If you have a spiritual mom and dad, praise God for it. Love them. Show appreciation to them. And if you have been saved by Christ and you don't have any physical children, look around this church and pick somebody out to be your spiritual son and your spiritual daughter. And invest your life into giving them an inheritance of blessing. For some of you, you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And you need to look around and find somebody to pour into. They need you right now. They need this gospel inheritance that you have. So look, this applies to everybody. And look, more than our country needs a president of the United States on Tuesday's election... More than that, we need all of you and all of us as Christians handing down the spiritual blessings of Christ to the next generation. We need that way more than we need anything else. Because if we have a cultural movement that takes kids under their wing and and takes the gospel and pours it in, that is faith involving family. So I don't know how that lands on you, but I want you to think about it. Your faith in God is always going to involve family. So spouses, you better get on the same page with one another. Husbands, wives, grandpas, grandmas, get on the same page because this is the greatest thing you're ever going to give to the next generation. Faith involves family. Secondly, faith involves fearless decisions. 
verses 23 through 28. Now the, the context switches over to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful kid. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated among the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So the the conversation shifts from the patriarchs to Moses. Moses, when he grew up, he refused. And then he chose, and then he considered. He decided some things by faith. So if you don't know Moses' story, Moses was Egyptian-educated. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was Egyptian-educated, so he grew up with the best education. He had the most money. He had the best food. He had all the best upbringing in the world. That, like Everything that you need um, to live out the Egyptian dream, Moses had it. All right, he was pampered, but as he grew up, he was unsettled. Because he was a Hebrew. And he looked around and he saw all the other Hebrews being enslaved. Now, I, I just want to say as a sidebar, this text is really devastating to J- the Jewish faith. And it's also devastating to any works-based righteousness kind of system. Okay, because in this, all right, most religious systems, especially Judaism, they will look to uh, Moses as the author of the law. Like the law, the law was received by Moses. He's the man. He went up to the mountain and he got the, the Ten Commandments and he did the law and he's the lawgiver and he's the guy that did the law. This text is devastating to that because it is telling us before Moses was the hero of the law and the giver of the law and the receiver of the law, Moses was a man of faith. Moses was saved by faith. So if you're witnessing to somebody who is in a Jewish context or is in just a works-based religion context, take them to this passage and say, even Moses was saved by faith, not by works. Okay, sidebar over. Um, Moses denied his identity with the Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 24, you see that? He denied it, which means that he pushed back on it and he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a tough conversation, isn't it? Moses talking to his adopted mom and saying, Mom, I love you. I know that we've shared almost 40 years of life together, but I'm refusing to be your son. That's a big deal. He also, um, in verse 25, he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of riches. So what is that all about? That word is super interesting, um, and it's really appropriate on the Sunday before our presidential elections that we get this word in the text. The word choose or chose is, is to vote or elect for office. Isn't God so good? He's so good. Right? So, so basically this idea means Moses went to the ballot box and he voted. All right, now listen, when, 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 when Moses went to the ballot box in Egypt, did he vote for Donald Trump? No, he didn't. In, at 8.30 service, a few people said, yeah! And I'm like, get out of here, you know. Moses didn't vote for Trump. Did Moses vote for Biden? No. Did he vote for a third-party candidate? No. What did Moses vote for? Vote, he voted for mistreatment. The candidate called mistreatment. 
He chose that. And he said, I'd rather put my vote in to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin and riches. Now, don't, don't think for a moment that, that Moses didn't see a bunch of riches growing up. He probably saw piles and piles of money. He probably lived the life that all of us dreamed we could live. Like, oh, it'd be awesome if I had infinite amounts of money. I could have all this pleasure, all this food, all this stuff. Moses had all of it, and he said, I will choose rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures or to enjoy the mistreatment with God's people. That was a choice. He chose reproach. Now, this is a fearless decision. To walk by faith, Moses had to make a fearless decision. And I'm going to just lay this out for you this morning as a congregation. If we're going to walk by faith this morning, we have to make fearless decisions. We've got to make decisions. You can't walk by faith and not make a decision. So here's, here's what I'm saying. God's going to bring you, like Moses, into places where you have to make a call. You've got to make a decision. And for those of you, there are some of you in this church that I'm praying for because you're so indecisive. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you want to do. You don't know what, what's going to happen. And you just can't make a decision. And I'm just telling you, Moses is crying out to you this morning. Make a decision by faith. Man, look at your life. Make a decision by faith. Some of you need to make some decisions in your life. For some of you, you've got some overdue decisions that you keep pushing. You keep kicking the can down the road. You keep kicking the can down the road, hoping that the problem goes away, hoping that the relationship goes away, hoping that something goes away. And I'm telling you, Moses is saying, make a decision for Jesus. Put a line in the sand and make a decision by faith. Um you got to make decisions if you're going to walk by faith, and some of those are going to be hard. Some of you like to sit in the back you like to, of situations, and you just kind of like to, you know, count the flowers and, and look at everybody else. Some of you like to sit back and you like to criticize other people who are living by faith. And you're like, oh, they're a bunch of idiots. Why would they ever do that? Why would they ever do that? And meanwhile, you just sit there and you don't live by faith. Life is too short to not live by faith. Moses made a hard decision. You're going to have to go to the ballot box and make a hard decision for Jesus. If you're going to live a life of faith. And no, there is no guarantee that it's going to work out well. But you've got to look at the riches of America, the American dream, everything that's pulling you in. And you've got to say, I'm going to put my line in the sand. I'm going to walk by faith in Jesus. Faith involves fearless decisions. And finally, faith involves fantastic miracles. This is verse 29 through 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And I just want to focus on those two verses in this point. The people of Israel experienced fantastic miracles. I mean, amazing, fantastic stuff. One at the Red Sea, and then one at Jericho. Now, the Red Sea story is Exodus chapter 14. Now, in that story, what makes it so fantastic is that um, the nation of Israel walks on dry ground with walls of water on either side, and they walk on dry ground all the way across the Red Sea, 
How scary is that moment, by the way? I mean, how scared are you? I would be freaking out. Like you're walking, and the walls are huge. Walls of water, and it's dry ground. You're getting a little scared, but it's amazing, right? And then those walls of water crash down on the Egyptians right after you're done walking through. Amazing. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The second miracle is Jericho, and this is found in Joshua chapter 6. In Jericho, just like in the Red Sea, God's people walk on dry ground. That's an important thing to, to, to take note of. They're also walking across dry ground when they cross the Jordan River. Always remember that. It's just a small thing to put in your brain. God's people, when they walk by faith, they walk, by, they walk on dry ground, even though things are crazy around them. They're walking around the city of Jericho seven times on the seventh day, and they walk on dry ground, and then right before the walls of Jericho fall on the city. These are fantastic miracles. And why does the author of Hebrews lay them out? Because he wants us to know that our God is the God of fantastic, miraculous works. Okay, so God does these things. The nature of these miracles are that they cannot be explained. Right? They just leave you without words. Some miracles, even throughout the Bible and in Jesus' ministry, you can kind of explain them away. You can kind of say, well... Okay, they had faith, and Jesus met their faith, you know, and, and they did this, and then all this stuff. And even in your own life, there's some miracles in your life that God does that you're like, yeah, that was an amazing thing, but we did budget, and we did do this thing, and we did this, and we, we did this, and we were very responsible here. And you kind of explain away the miracle because it's not as big. Some miracles in our Christian experience are fantastic. There is no words. There's very little things that we could say to explain away the miracle. And God only does, does those, you know, once every 40 years or so. <laughs> and I say every 40 years because it was a generational thing. The Red Sea was one generation. 40 years later, Jericho is the next generation of people that get to see the fantastic miracle. So fantastic miracles are for those who walk by faith, but they don't happen as often. You can't take the big ones for granted because you need to track those, and they may not come back for a while. Now, um, here's the question. It kind of just begs to be asked. Does God still do fantastic miracles today? Huh? Does God still do fantastic? I mean, like, whoa, blow you away. No words, God, right? Does he still do those today? Okay, our day is a day of secular humanism, right? Right? How many times have you heard the phrase, we believe in science, <laughs> in the last uh, you know, year? All the time. We live in a digital society dominated by social media. And here's, here's what I just want to say to us. who We all have phones. We all are phone carriers, right? Sometimes God's fantastic miracles can't be seen by his people because their eyes are not up. You see what I'm saying? Come on now. Like sometimes our miracles are not seen because we're like this all the time. Right? We're like this. God's doing these amazing things all around us. And we're like, dude, dude, candy crush. Right? You know? God's doing all this stuff. And we're like, dude, dude, you see how many likes I got on social media? Oh, my goodness. Ridiculous. Church. 
I, I, I'm calling out myself and all of us here. Okay, so I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm just saying, God's fantastic miracles are still happening. But we got to lift our eyes up to see him. All right, here's some, here's some, uh, here's some answers. Does God still do it today? The answer is yes. 100% yes. God does fantastic miracles for those who walk by faith. What do I mean? Well, every single person who has the Jericho walls of their heart pushed down so that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is a fantastic miracle. All right, Every time God allows you to go through the way, the truth, and the life called Jesus with the walls of water and life and circumstances, and you get to the other side and you believe in Christ, that is a miracle, a fantastic one. So every time somebody gets saved and meets Jesus, that is a miracle that cannot be explained. Don't you agree? Isn't that true in your life? You came to Christ. How'd you come to Christ? Well, so-and-so led me in a Bible study, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so. Listen, but how did you come to Christ? How did you believe by faith? It is unexplainable. Because our hearts are so proud. We are such, we are such wicked sinners that only God does the fantastic miracle of conversion. Right? And every step of our growth is a salvation miracle that, that as we keep growing, it's a miracle of God every time. Um, I'll close with this. Twelve years ago, a church was started in the basement of a young, upstart group of people. They believed great things from God. For the south side of Des Moines and Carlisle and Norwalk and Indianola and this neighborhood. Through the years, okay, through the years now, 12 years ago, God has been faithful. God has been good. Through the highs, yay, super exciting, wonderful, amazing stuff. Dude, we're praising God, amen. And through the lows, deep, dark, hard, satanic attacks, crazy stuff fleshly things, worldly stuff. And in the midst of it all, God has done miracle after miracle. I think you can guess which church I'm talking about. It's this one. And we have a slide here that we want to show you. This is Thursday. This upstart church sat with Fairway Corporate Vice President Garrett Picklap. That's him in the suit and the glasses. Right? We sat with him and we memorialized a fantastic miracle of God. And it was so joyful to sit there. And you, you look at a million dollar check and you look at how God did all that. And even as we sat with Garrett, we're sitting there talking, the staff is talking, Garrett's, we're sharing stories and stuff. And we're talking about all the different stories that happened in the middle of this incredible journey. And it, there were just several moments as we talked, we sat there and we're like, I don't even know how God did this. Fairway didn't know how God did this. And I would say that the debt-free purchase of that our future church home is one such fantastic miracle that God has done. 
And he's not done yet. Amen? He ain't done. Because this is our God. A God who does fantastic miracles. And I would, I would guess that this is one of the most fantastic miracles on the south side of Des Moines in 40 years. That's what I would guess. However, the Des Moines Register did not call me to run the article. KCCI did not call for the interview. Shocking, right? But in God's eyes, this is one of his fantastic miracles. And church, God who promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God we worship this morning. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life and to set us on a new path. So we're not done believing that God is going to do fantastic miracles, and I don't care who is the president. God's going to keep doing his thing. Amen? No matter what happens, God will exalt himself, and he will do his things. Because faith involves fantastic miracles. So let's all stand up together, and let's just talk to Jesus together. We're going to have the band come up. I just want to talk to you guys for a little bit in prayer, and then we can respond to the Lord. Let's just, talk to, let's just talk to Jesus for a little bit. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, you have called us to walk by faith. And faith involves things. Lord, it involves family. And Lord, I'm praying for every person here, Lord, who names your name. And Jesus, they love you. And I, I pray that maybe it is a spouse thing. Maybe it's a spouse conversation that needs to be had. A humble conversation between a husband and a wife to say are we on the same page walking by faith Lord maybe it's a grandpa and a, or an uncle or a son or a daughter Lord maybe there's just family things that are just painful right now there's things that we wish were different about our family but God it's the family you've given to us Lord and I pray that this morning we would choose to walk by faith we would embrace our family, that we would love and reconcile and get right so that we can walk this journey of faith with joy. So Spirit, if you're working on individuals regarding their family, would you just allow us to confess that to you this morning, to say it out loud, to get it right with you first and then with other people? God, faith involves fearless decisions and Lord I I'm sure there's a hundred decisions that are represented this morning amongst our congregation that need to be made decisions that just need to be fearless and Jesus centered so Lord I pray for every person if they're struggling if they're going back and forth on a decision that they know deep down they need to make it God would you just move people towards faith and a fearless decision to honor and surrender to Jesus Christ in that area. And Lord, faith, it involves fantastic miracles, God, and you have done so many here at Living Waters. You have made non-Christians become Christians. Lord, you have strengthened and you've brought together incredible spiritual works 
amongst believers here, God. And we, we see our future church home up the street. You've been faithful. You will be faithful. We're so close. God, we're so close. But God, we take it by faith. We believe it. So God, keep our eyes open. Get, get our eyes off of our phones and onto you for the fantastic miracles that you have in store for us. God, may we say no to cynicism. May we say no to negativity. May we say no to pride and arrogance and sin inside of our hearts. And may we say yes to faith in Jesus. So Lord, do that work in us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.